G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A conversation you might like to join into over this next hour. We're going to turn our attention to the challenges that lie ahead and the prediction that Western culture is reaching a critical juncture. On the back of the global COVID pandemic, many economies around the world are being brought to their knees. The Russian invasion of Ukraine, the rise of China and its sights set on Taiwan threaten to draw the nations of the world into war. Iran's nuclear ambitions threaten more possible nuclear conflict. Then add to that the gap between rich and poor widening, threatening political unrest. It may sound alarmist, but there are predictions that a collapse might be imminent. And part of that may even include irreligiosity, abandoning faith in God. Western power has been in gradual decline, and this is going to be the focus of our conversation over the next hour. Our special guest is former federal politician George Christensen. In life after Parliament, he's emerged as a commentator on the challenges facing the West. He's never been shy to have his Christian values shape his public persona. And he's not holding back in his commentary blog called Nation First. We'll talk more about that shortly, but let me make a special welcome along to 2020. George Christensen, welcome back. Well, thanks very much, Neil. It's great to be back on your show. Uh, thank you to uh, you for inviting me on there, and uh, it's great to be speaking through you to all your listeners. George, you spent nine years in the Parliament. Uh, you're on the other side of your parliamentary career now. I mentioned Nation First. Give us a little update on where you're at. Yeah, actually, it was uh, it was nearly eleven years. Actually, I think Neil and uh, just to uh, add on uh, uh, the punishment, there was six years in local government as well. So uh, it's almost two decades in uh, in public service, and uh, it's been quite a transition. But um, you know, I, uh, I I do now have this online publication that I'm uh, dedicating myself full time to, along with a, a couple of other. Uh, online media ventures, uh, including a, a YouTube show that I uh, that I am now trying to put out regularly, and a uh, an online news website. But uh, that keeps me me very busy. Uh, I'm not sure it keeps me out of trouble, but it keeps me very busy now. <laughs> You've been a outspoken uh, conservative, but there's something that I'll often describe as a classical conservatism, and that is that that brand of conservatism that actually appreciates and understands its Christian roots, and you've never been afraid of your Christianity. How does your current role in your blog and in your commentary on Western civilization, how is that affected by your own faith, George? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I uh, Look, I, it's it's part of me, Neil. I, I believe firmly in, uh, in, in the Christian faith, uh, uh, I believe in uh, God. I believe in the Holy Trinity. I, I, I 
I uh, believe all that which the church believes. And, um, you know, it, without a doubt, it shines through in my writings. Now, I don't try and make uh, Nation First in itself overtly Christian. Um, uh, sometimes, as I said, Christian messages come through. I do realise that there are actually a lot of my readers that are uh, that are atheist or agnostic as well. Um, and uh, so uh, as long as they bear with a few uh, God bless yous, uh, <laughs> they're okay. Um, but, uh, but, but look, uh, I think that even the messages that I put through uh, nationfirst.substack.com, which is the publication, uh, it can be even be appreciated by those who are, are not of the Christian faith or not of any faith because um, they are, uh, uh, while they are views and values that are probably appreciated by many Christians, they are views and values that are appreciated by those who just simply appreciate Western tradition. And uh, that is important. The two are actually enmeshed, um, and, uh, and 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 that's why it can be appreciated beyond just those of the Christian faith. Interestingly, when we talk about Western civilization, and even we're going to touch on some vulnerabilities here, and I mentioned in the introduction this thought of irreligiosity, uh, the thought mm. that conservative conservatism in particular has been losing its religion, losing its faith, and uh, almost looking a little bit like its own uh, opposition. Uh, thoughts here on the values of the Christian tradition to the way that Western formation has happened? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head, and this is something that I actually haven't touched on. I mean, why has uh, conservatism and the conservative movement and so many Western uh, cultures, Western societies, why has it seemingly slipped from its mooring? Um, and it quite possibly is entwined with the fact that um, uh, that Christianity has been uh, largely abandoned by uh, Western culture. I mean, you just have a look at the latest census in Australia to see the decline in Christianity as a religion of, of influence, still by far the biggest uh, faith that we've got there, but it's... Uh, declined so much that I think there's more people of no religion now or uh, or it's getting that way. Um, and that's Australia isn't Robinson Crusoe on that front. Uh, and uh, that affects every different um, uh, faction, if I can call it that, within a, uh, within a culture, including the faction that likes to describe it itself as a conservative uh, or conservative faction. There probably are more people within that particular uh, faction of Australian society that would be of the Christian faith, but uh, as it declines in the culture, so too it declines within that particular uh, faction within society. And uh, and look, you know, conservatism being a a political philosophy that is guided by um, or, or, that, or that seizes its objective is conserving all that is good in the past and and ensuring that um, the change isn't just simply for change's sake, change is for the sake of good and the sake of what's right, that you that you keep the good. And Christianity has been one of those forces of good. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that disparage Christianity, Neil. You and I both know that. We see it and probably hear it every day, particularly through the mainstream media. Um 
but uh, you know, while, while others might think of you know the horrors of 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 the Christian past, whether that be the you know Crusades, or they might think, oh, there's too many wars that have been started by religion, or they might think of you know abuse within say the Catholic Church, or 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 something like that. Um, uh, what I think of is how uh, the church and and the Christian faith has actually nurtured just about every good thing in our society, whether it be education, whether it be health, whether it be charity. All of these things in our modern culture have actually derived from the Christian faith. Why? Because at the heart of the Christian faith is the golden rule, do unto others. That's what Christ taught us. And so that is why the Christian faith has been such a a nurturing influence on Western culture. If you're going to throw it out, though, you're going to see the consequences of it. We're going to be a less nurturing, less compassionate society, every aspect of it now. There are those who, as you describe, are, you know, looking for change for change's sake. And uh, the description of conservatism is trying to hold on to those good values and those good foundations of the past. So when you've got change for change's sake, or perhaps what you might say is, you know, maybe the progressive agenda, uh, the, the thought that there might be actually some level of scepticism in us, that their motives may not be all good, uh, this is where the challenge comes in, the motives of those who want change? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think, though, that largely these days um, their cause is aided and abetted by just about every cultural institution that we see around us. And uh, I think I heard Bill Muhlenberg before when I uh, got on here, and Bill's uh, an expert on this. He knows that there has been a steady infiltration uh, in all of our cultural institutions. Uh, they actually called it the long march, um, the long march into the institutions. Uh, the leftists or cultural Marxists uh, uh, either either knowingly or unknowingly uh, went on a a bit of a, a campaign to uh, to to capture universities, schools, um, media all sorts of cultural institutions that help shape society. And so now, nowadays, and particularly with the uh, younger generation and um, probably I include, you know, uh, my age sort of down in that, if you're in your sort of, uh, you know, if you, if you blow the age of 50 and maybe even below the age of 60, actually, that uh, you've probably been influenced in some way, shape or form by... Uh, uh, but by, by by that fact that uh, there has been this capture of our cultural institutions, and um, you know, hey, look, maybe even if you're older and you and you're sitting there watching TV and you're on social media, you know, whether we know it or not, we are captured by everything that we see around us. If we're watching mainstream media, if we're looking at our news through mainstream news organisations. Um, if that's where we're getting our formation from, then uh, we're affected by the culture. We're affected by the culture. And, uh, you know, let's put our, all ourselves in the category of being that younger generation you're talking about. Let's say 60 is the new 40, and we'll say, yes, we can see uh, that the institutions that are shaping our culture are being overtaken by all sorts of things that 
look very anti or unchristian. Now, is it alarmism or is there some level of real foundation and real evidence for the possibility of the fall of the West? Uh, let's get your thoughts on that. Uh, the fall of the West, what does that look like even? What would you imagine it to, to look like? Is it something that's like a bloodless coup? Uh, how do you describe the possibility of such a thing, George? Well, uh, I hate to be a pessimist so early in the morning, but we're uh, uh, we're living through it, Neil. I think that what does it look like? Uh, look out the window of the studio if you can, because uh, uh, people expect to see that there's going to be a major battle that some uh you know some uh, uh major war is going to happen and it's going to level us well that's not how it happens uh it um it happens slowly and it it happens slowly but irrevocably and uh i can just say that there's a bit of a like a triangulation a quadrangulation going on uh we have a look at some of the the things that um uh, that hold a civilization together. Can I say culture? We've already talked about that to a degree. Demographics, uh, economics, uh, democracy. Can I just focus on culture for a moment? Um, you know, we talked about cultural institutions, but let me just say uh, one of the um, uh, the key things about our culture is that we've become a culture that's quite quite decadent, uh, quite quite focused on self uh, and um, there's no higher purpose than self. And so uh, if you if you believe that and I think that I don't I don't even need actually to convince you or your audience that our culture has gone into that hyper individualistic hyper consumerist uh, uh, way of life and uh, you know that that that, that just, rips the guts out of the culture it really really does um we move away from that christian ideal of do unto others uh just to do unto me do unto me uh whatever i want whenever i want however i want um you know i i I am god that's basically the uh the sense that we've gotten and 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 what happens then is that family one bonds become very weak um we have uh, a very easy setup where uh, an entire generation can grow up hating their own heritage and identity. Why? Because it's not focused on me. The past isn't focused on me and what I want. Uh, we look at the gender fluidity fad that's actually gripping our youth at the moment. D- did you did you know that 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 um, while less I got the American statistics here. I think the Australian ones probably would be a little bit different, but maybe not so far off, and particularly this is our future. One in, uh, So it's less than 6% of the overall American population actually identifies as uh, LGBTIQ. Um, uh, I could go on because there's a whole heap of other uh, acronyms that you could add to it. It's like almost an alphabet soup. But at the moment, uh, I think it is about one in six one in six or one in five, actually, I'm just looking at the figures here, one in five identify as part of that alphabet soup. So how is it that in Generation Z, we can have one in five identifying as part of the LGBTIQ community and yet of the overall community, only 6%? Something has happened, and I don't say this to just jump on the, you know, the the 
the gay bandwagon. Uh, I, I don't say it. it's just merely to point out that something has taken place. There's been a fundamental shift in culture. Um, so that's just one aspect, Neil. Uh, you know, when if we look at what I said before, cultural institutions, we can look at our state of our education system, and I think that that's got a lot to do with you know the whole LGBTIQ thing here. The reality is we've got woke teachers that are out there conducting a war on our children, brainwashing them into accepting theories that are that, that is fact and, and leaving them unable to make their own opinions, actually, on important yet sensitive topics. Um, uh, they're being taught, quite frankly, in schools to be hateful of their own heritage, hateful of their own true identity of traditions. Uh, they're being exposed to material that's just simply not suitable for their age. They're being taught to deconstruct everything including their own biological reality. Um, this is going on in our schools right now. And as a result, um, in 2019, the US Journal of Abnormal Psychology found that half of 12 to 13-year-olds they survey reported being depressed. What is happening to the next generation? How is this not alarming? How is this not being discussed openly, you know, uh, this is an age where young people should be free of these sort of worries. Uh, when I was 12 or 13, you know, the whole world was ahead of me. Uh, life was life was uh, pretty good, Neil. Uh, I don't know what it is today that's caused children to to be in this state, but I, I've got a suspicion. I've got a suspicion, and the suspicion is that when you have lost uh, – your true identity, you are lost indeed. You are lost indeed. And uh, that's the state of our youth today, I'm afraid. So I could talk about more of these things. There's other things I said, there's a quadrangulation going on. We've got culture, we've got the corruption of our democracy. And um, that's pretty big to say as a former MP, I could talk about that. We've got economic decline as well. And then we've got demographic decline. So all of these four factors are, uh, are having some impact. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, sounds alarmist, but there are predictions that a collapse may be imminent around Western civilization. You might like to join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is former federal politician George Christensen. These days, he's emerged as a commentator on the challenges facing the West, and uh, you can connect with him at nationfirst.substack.com and have access to his newsletter. George, before we take some questions, let me just come back to a few things you mentioned just before we went to the break. You mentioned there were issues around our demographics and our economics and our democracy. Let's start with demographics because people on this program have suggested that, you know, our our aging population is about to fall off a cliff. Uh, that's what's happening in the boomer gem generation. And there are challenges with the way we're replacing our generation. And ultimately, it's likely to come from immigration. Thoughts here on demographics? Yeah, look, your uh, your listeners are spot on with what they've just suggested there. I mean, uh, that is a fact right across. Uh, this is not a new phenomenon either. Right across Western civilization. We have hit uh, the point where our birth rate is below replacement level, um, or at that at that 
sort of just level where it's just replacing itself. I think Australia is at the level where it's just replacing itself. Um, but you'd find that that is actually largely due to the fact that we have a high immigration level. So it is people coming from uh, other other non-Western cultures that are picking us up and making sure that we replace ourselves. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just simple fact that, that we aren't going to replace ourselves as uh, as Western nations. And uh, I think it's it's intimately tied to the cultural issue that I talked about before. Again, I just say when you've cut off your true identity, when you've when you've grown to be hateful of your heritage, then uh, you're not going to want to replace yourself. I mean, what what is the point of continuing continuing on? So uh, again, that's probably not a conscious decision that people are making, but it's one that becomes uh, more of a, a subconscious or unconscious action. Uh, and I guess intertwined with that is also uh, the fact that um, uh, the focus is more on me, Neil. The focus is more on self. And so children and families are now seen as a burden rather than as a blessing uh, by by many a culture. And just uh, to look at that, I mean, uh, and I, I didn't want to go down this track, but it's just popped into my head. How many TV shows do we see where, um, you know, the father's the idiot, uh, the kids are a hassle? Um, this is, you know, now become the nature of sitcoms and even cartoon shows like The Simpsons. So, um, <laughs> sorry, so you've, no, got this sort of, you've got this hateful yeah. of heritage, uh, even fear <laughs> of the future. And uh, in some sense mm -hmm. here, some might say a conversation like this uh, creates a level of fear too. But uh, you don't need a conversation uh, that describes what's happening uh, to know that people are fearful of the future. As you say, uh, the way the family is construed is somewhat challenging. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Giovanni is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hi, Giovanni. Welcome along. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. How are you today? Good? Good, good. Yes. What are your thoughts, Giovanni? Well, my thoughts are this. I've been studying the, um, the Book of Revelation for the last 10 years, and every, everything's falling into place. All the signs are there, and I'm, I'm uh, out there uh, evangelising, reaching the lost. Um, people are searching for the truth, and um, that's what I'm doing, and snatching the one from the fire, because uh, the signs are there. Giovanni, uh, good to be able to talk about the book of Revelation, those expectations we have in the end of days, uh, drawing George into an eschatological conversation here. I'm not sure whether you're across all those sorts of details, George, but what are your thoughts for Giovanni? Um, well, I'm happy to go there, Neil, and thanks very much, Giovanni, for that uh, that observation. Uh, look, I don't think that the fall of Western civilization equals the end of the world. And in fact, I've said this to people, Jesus didn't come to save Western civilization, he came to save us. And so we've got to be careful about that. We look at the, um, the fall of our own age, uh, and we might translate that to the fall of the world, the end of the world. Um, that's not to say that Giovanni is wrong. I mean, there are some uh, worrying signs out there about uh, particularly the fusion of technology with uh, with mankind and where that might lead to. Neil, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much because it's, uh, uh, you know, it is a bit of a rabbit hole. But, but, but nonetheless, you know, the talk about 
fusion of mankind with artificial intelligence talk about microchipping of human beings i mean you start to hear some of this stuff where you know um uh, people are predicting or uh, or even saying that technology will be available to ensure that uh, uh we can sort of scan things and that's how we're going to buy things with it with a microchip in our hand um and there'll be some form of tracking involved with that as well and you think to yourself well uh, that book of revelation is looking more and more uh like a reality these days so um you know i i can understand why people have these thoughts but uh i just say clearly that the uh the fall of Western civilization is not the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it, I guess. Um, but Jesus didn't come to save Western civilization. He came to save us, mankind. Let me just take a call or two from listeners, and uh, they might have some uh, some things to add to our conversation before we move on. Let's take another call. Wendy is in Casino in New South Wales. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Hello. How are you all? Very well, Wendy. What are your thoughts? Good. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I just want to first of all congratulate George. I've been a fan of George's for quite some time. I get his emails and his socials, and I just am so happy about what he's doing, and I congratulate him. Um, well done, George. You're do, keeping up to... We're really happy. Many of us are many happy about what you're doing, much happy. Now, look, I'm also a prophetic poet, and I have written quite a few poets. In fact, my poetry book is being launched this weekend in Lismore called The Road to Glory, and one of my poems I have written on, probably I've got many on this topic, but one of them is called Cracks. And it only takes a minute to read. Would you be happy for me to read it out? Yes, let's, uh, let's hear this poem. Good on you, Wendy. Yes, let's hear it's it. Called, it's called Cracks. There are cracks in the world right now. Can you feel the earth is shifting? The foundations are starting to rumble and it feels like a violent sifting. The wheat and cares are shaking as things are coming apart. Nothing seems real anymore, and this is affecting our hearts. The battle is on between good and evil. It's ramping up every day. The fear is over. Sorry, the fight is over fear versus faith. But the lines are blurry and grey. What is true and what is false? We need to search it out so we can walk along a path that's true without a doubt. When Jesus walked upon the earth, he warned us of these days. He taught us how to live through them, to follow in his ways. He said to build our lives on him and seek him out each day that he would chart a path for us and help us through the fray. It's vital that we read his word. It gives us so much hope. And when the storms are on us, it helps us all to cope. He said we'd win the battle. He'd teach us how to fight, that we would overcome if we would hold on tight. The many trials and testings should strengthen us each day as we lean on our beloved and trust him and obey. Wendy, well done with that. And uh, Wendy Boniface and uh, the launch of your poetry book this weekend. Wendy, I hope there'll be some listeners who'll search for that. Just give us the name of your book. The book is called The Road to Glory. The Road to Glory. And uh, Wendy Boniface in Casino in New South Wales. George, uh, good sentiments in there. Uh, Any thoughts here for Wendy? fantastic. Well, uh, thanks very much, Wendy, for sharing that with us. Uh, Great to see that two fine things come out of Casino now, beautiful poetry and beautiful beef. Uh, So uh, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, uh, (laughs) um, I'm sure there's much more good. What's that, Sorry. 
We don't what, eat what bugs was that, here. <laughs> they don't eat we bugs don't eat in bugs casino. Here. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, uh, I'll have to get my hands on that poetry book because uh, that's the one thing that 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 what Wendy has has just read out there does bring to mind. It's easy to get depressed, but we've got to uh, put put. There's one key line there. It was talking about faith over fear. And that's what we've got to have, Neil. Despite all the world, you know, going to hell in a handbasket all around us, um, we've got to have faith over fear that uh, we know, we know from uh, reading the good book that this is uh, uh, where it all leads, that everything will fall away uh, eventually. And uh, there's going to be a new earth, uh, a new hope, a new horizon for us, and uh, you know we put our faith in in Jesus Christ, uh, uh, and 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 that. And that before we ensure, before we let Wendy go we here, there was uh, faith over fear, but there was also uh, words of wisdom in your poetry, Wendy, about the fight. There's a certain sense in which uh, mm. a lot of Christian believers, so people who are holding to those foundations of our Christian faith and recognise the way that Christianity has formed our heritage, uh, ready to roll over in the fight. Uh, you're a bit of a walking, yeah. talking example of how you don't roll over in the fight here, George. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that concept that's coming through in Wendy's poem? Yeah, well, look, um, I think that uh, <laughs> you're right on that. I mean, uh, you, you, you can go to the two extremes, I guess, where, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're very worried about what's going on right now and you uh, are completely fearful about what's going on to the point where you're just uh, let it roll over, as you say, and just, uh, well, um, let's bring on Judgment Day. Let's get there, uh, you know. Let, let, but, but no, uh, you know, we pray we should be praying a prayer every day, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Neil, where it says, uh, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just words that we say. That's something to instruct us. Uh, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is our duty as Christians to try and make the will of God in our lives, in our families, in our societies, in our communities, in our nations, be the will of this earth, not just, uh, you know, his will in heaven. We want it on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, and uh, Wendy, congratulations on your new book of poetry. Uh, listeners might like to keep an eye out for that. Uh, thanks so much for your contribution today on 2020. Let's take another call. Jenny is in Henty in New South Wales. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Good morning. Jenny, what are your thoughts? Yes. Uh, just, um, yeah, look, just listening to what you're saying. Um, certainly we need to always remember that God is in control and he, he is sovereign. He's working things out. Good thoughts. Uh, George, God is in control. What are your thoughts for Jenny? 100%. 100% God is in control of uh, our ultimate uh, destinies and our ultimate, uh, uh, you know, ultimately where all of this is going to go. Uh, again, I would just reiterate what was just said then from your nudge, Neil, that uh, that doesn't mean that though that we throw our hands up and just say, well, let it all be in God's control and we don't need to do anything, I repeat again that, uh, you know, our job as Christians is to make uh, his will uh, done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that um, 
that is that is why we've got to be worried, I guess, about the trajectory of our culture, the trajectory of our politics, the trajectory of our economics, uh, the trajectory of our demographics. Uh, the question is, is his will being done on earth right now as it is in heaven? I think the answer would have to be a resounding no to that. So it does have to still concern us as Christians about uh, how far society and civilization is moving away from his will. Jenny, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. We'll take some more calls shortly. Let's see if we can cover a lot of ground quickly if there wasn't so much to talk about, George. Uh, there's geopolitical <laughs> developments, uh, the threat of yeah. world war, even as we're sitting here today. The threat of world war, whether it's Russia in their invasion of Ukraine or whether it's the possibility of what happens if China invades uh, uh, Taiwan or uh, the what's developing with mm. Iran and their nuclear weapons program, the fears that the mm. Jewish nation has. Uh, there are all sorts of geopolitical developments that put us all at threat. What are your thoughts for those things rising? We need to ensure at all costs uh, that there is not another world war, um, that uh, that we do whatever it takes because uh, that will be absolutely and utterly destructive, Neil, to all of mankind. And uh, again, I would say that I do not think that that is uh, his will, that uh, we engage in another mass-scale global war like that. Uh, of course, we've got to stand up to tyrants and bullies and tyranny and uh, all the rest of it but um, the calamity that any war now involving nuclear weapons would uh, would cause the destruction that would cause uh, would be absolutely and utterly catastrophic beyond the likes of which we've never ever experienced before as a as a as humanity not just a civilization the whole human world would never have experienced anything like that before uh, I gotta say that just going back to my point about the fall of of politics i think that unfortunately um and this is not to point the finger at western culture but western governments particularly the united states has become captured and it's been that way for a long time now by the uh what we call the military industrial complex who sees its job as just forever engaging in forever wars that uh then end up costing lives and then end up costing a lot of money uh, for for very little effort, actually. And we saw that in Afghanistan, mate. I mean, how much money that was spent there, how many lives were lost there in Afghanistan uh, and, and, and uh, you know, for what we had the Taliban to start with. We drove them out and now the Taliban are back again and, uh, and they got a heap of weapons and gear out of the United States government and its allies. So... Um, you know, I think we need to be mindful of that and stepping back from the brink uh, at the moment, uh, again, without getting into the complexities of Ukraine, Russia, China, Taiwan. Um, collectively, the world just needs to take a breath and step back from the brink. That's what I'd just say, Neil. OK, let's take another call. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Let's hear from Wayne in Mackay. Hi, Wayne. Welcome. Yeah, mate. Yeah, George. George, you've been a, a huge asset to the people with what's not understanding with what's been going on in Mackay. I'm from Mackay myself, and I'm like yourself, mate. I'm a Christian, and I'm not ignorant to everything that's happening or none, nothing at all. But at the end of the day, mate, um, 
you know, with, with gates and all that, with what they're trying to do, and they reckon the next pa- pandemic's going to be worse than the last one. It's all manipulation as far as I'm concerned, and um, we've just got to trust in God with, with all that's happening there, mate, and do our best. I certainly haven't gone ahead and got the vaccines. I've got respect for people that have. They put them, a lot of people in a position where they've had no choice. But at the end of the day, mate, it's um, you just got to get on with life, and, and, and just trust God with everything that's happened. Wayne, good thoughts there. Manipulation, coercion, uh, whether it's the pandemic response uh, with vaccinations or uh, whether it might be on a whole lot of other different levels where there is coercive uh, government control. Uh, your thoughts here, George, for Wayne? My thoughts uh, from what Wayne said, well, thank you. It's always great to get someone uh, from my hometown that's uh, uh, that's giving me a pat on the back. That's good. Uh, But, uh, uh, look, to get to the issue, um, there's just been such a disconnect, I think, and and a growing disconnect between our governments and what our citizenry want. And there's also a growing disconnect between the way we are governed and the way we should be governed and uh, the protection of our freedoms and our liberties. And we saw that during the pandemic. Now, that's uh, not just the fault of governments, even though they shouldn't be doing what they're doing with mandates and all the rest of it, I firmly believe. It is also the fault of culture. Uh, Very, very quickly, Neil, to talk about two different aspects. Uh, Oswald Spengler wrote this sort of magnus opus called uh, uh, The the Fall of the West, The Fall of Western Civilization, I think it was. And um, what he said in that that book, he said a lot because it's a three-volume set, I think. Uh, And um, there, uh, there was what he talked about, The Age of the Last Man, uh, or the age of Caesars, and he said that we're going to, um, in, in, as things collapse around us, we're going to want to put, preserve security and safety. And so we're going to want our governments to become more authoritarian and militaristic to protect us from all of these perceived outside threats. And, um, you know, that will be taken advantage of. Uh, we had Nietzsche, who certainly isn't a Christian, Frederick Nietzsche, but uh, Frederick Nietzsche talked about the last man as well and what he said about the last man it was one that last man was going to be enslaved to his passion um but he was also going to be someone that uh that wanted uh all of the comfort all of security that uh that could be mustered uh, to his defense and so i think that we're living through that age and it's interesting um how those people lived, you know, a uh, hundred years ago or more, and and wrote their theories down, and it seems to be coming to pass right now. Um, but I shouldn't be so surprised about about that. There was other people that wrote uh, stuff two thousand years ago that uh, <laughs> is coming to pass in a book called the Bible. So um, anyway, uh, uh, that's what what comes to mind when when Wayne says what he says. Wayne, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Coercion is one of those words. Uh, You know, you can apply that to a whole lot of different uh, spheres. Uh, But when you say about the last man standing, uh, the comfort, the security, the protection, uh, one of the things that's being uh, propagated now is this thought of the ESG, the environment, social and governance aspects of how organisations will operate. 
and that lending itself to the possibility of the social credit system. That's the fear, isn't it, that people have if there is going to be uh, all sorts of government regulation over keeping us safe, that somehow or other we'll soon be coerced into a certain level of behaviour uh, that will be very coercive and uh, and along the lines of, of what a, maybe perhaps a sinister uh, government might want us to be doing. So thoughts here, George, uh, taking you into another sort of <laughs> well, deeper area. Well, I wonder if we're uh, having a mind meld moment here or if you've been looking at my YouTube account because my last video, which just released today, is on ESG and how it's uh, a major a scam or a sham and uh and the one i released yesterday i think was on um, the social credit system in part so uh look you know you're right the, the esg stands for environmental social and governance it's all the rave within uh, the corporate sector right now and in governments and what we're seeing is corporations big multinational corporations uh, uh becoming more involved with the governing of our lives and they they do this uh through justifying it all through the fact that oh we've got to be more uh, concerned about the environment so they're even now concerned about you as a customer and what you're doing as their clients and as if they have some right to actually govern you as just being a a customer and um, so that's why it won't be hard to see in the future uh, banks they're already doing it now there's one Australian bank that's actually precluded any loans going out to people that are going to buying um, conventional cars, so you can only purchase an electric vehicle uh, with loans from this bank. So there's already a credit card in existence that you can voluntarily sign up to that limits your daily spending habits um, to ensure that your climate footprint isn't uh, so large that it, it affects the planet, apparently. Um, you know, I think that given that that technology's there, this perhaps may be the way of the future. Will there be a social credit system that comes into play? Uh, I'm not sure. There's people out there that are pushing for that overtly. Uh, There's actually one voluntarily in existence in uh, a province in Italy. Um, But I think what's more likely to happen is that this sort of social credit system will just creep in with everything else that's that's coming in. We will we will we will find it's here before we even know that uh, it was instituted. Um, and, you know, I could talk for another hour on that, Neil, and we don't have time, but uh, uh, go and have a look at my YouTube videos, so to say. <laughs> well, you know, you've got environment in itself. Uh, here we are as Christian believers saying that stewardship of the environment's a good thing. So there are some twists in all of this, but the climate change alarmism and uh, the things that can come from that might concern listeners. Uh, Social and governance, all of those things sound right in themselves, but when you start to apply, when you start to apply a way that the regulation looks right to one ideology and wrong to another, then you've got the potential for uh, overtaking a system. And that might we might be able to look at China and say that uh, they've got a social credit system whereby they're controlling the masses. So uh, somehow or other, George, uh, I've thought that, you know, you should add another letter to the ESG, an F for freedom. So if you actually added something to the end of that and said, okay, let's make that uh, a condition of who you are, then you can actually bring those things into a little bit more context, can't you? Yeah, well, that'd throw the the whole movement into chaos because let's be quite honest here, ESG is uh, the Trojan horse 
that the cultural Marxists that our friend Bill Muhlenberg talks about have used to actually slip into yet another institution uh, that no one ever thought that the Marxists would actually get their hands on, and that institution is the corporations. I mean, the very thing that they despise. And so uh, there's been this recognition that they are now a permanent reality within our within our economies, within our societies, and they are a useful tool to do things that governments might not be able to do simply because governments are beholden to the well. We we hope there is still some vestige of governments being able to be beholden to the will of the people. Um, uh, you know, if they go too far, we throw them out. Uh, but we can't throw out a company. We can't throw out a bank. We can't throw out an energy provider. Uh, and some of these things, they become essential so much so that uh, we're captive to them rather than being captive to us. So uh, this is this is uh, a worrying trend indeed, Neil. Well, we've run out of time and we could have covered all sorts of issues today, including uh, race relations and the uh, the proposal for an Indigenous voice to the parliament. Uh, we could have talked some more globally about the Great yeah. Reset. Uh, we could have talked some more about environmental activism, net zero. Uh, could have even talked some more about some of the concerns that so many hold around central banks and digital currencies. Uh, there might be mm. some good conversations for another day too, George. And and I know that you cover Sounds a lot like of these sorts of things. Again. We do. And uh, uh-huh. just to hear some thoughts on these things and hearing those coming from a foundation where you've got Christian faith in the mix whereby we face a future not with fear but with faith and knowing that, as one of our listeners called in and said, God is ultimately in control. So where does that put us? Not fearful but faith-driven in the way we might have a fight for uh, some things that would keep us free and some challenging areas there that uh, that threaten to overtake us, that we not be deceived uh, even as we're warned in Matthew chapter 24. Let me point people to how you can uh, connect with George Christensen. I mentioned in his life after Parliament, he's emerged as a commentator on the challenges that face the West, and he's writing about these sorts of things we're talking about today, not holding back on his commentary blog called Nation First. You can connect there, nationfirst.substack.com, and there's also a George Christensen website, georgechristensen.com.au. George, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil, and thanks to your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 